0: 50% with Marcel Combs, my good friend and mentor. I'm Deantha Grattan, and on this podcast, she will travel a journey of leadership with each guest as she analyzes the ingredients that lead women to their current role. Marcel's goal is for you to walk away with tools to support your very own journey, no matter where your current destination is today.
1: Live action! <laughs>
0: Hello, Deantha. Hi Marcel, how are you today? I'm so glad you're back today. We've missed you.
1: I know, I know. First day back in a while, and and here we go. My do my favorite things.
0: Yeah, that's a good plan. Let's uh, do that.
1: For sure. We have Dr. Pamela Prince Pyle today. <laughs> that's a lot of peace. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she is has just the most amazing story.
0: She really does. And, uh, you know, both of us had the privilege to meet her not too long ago and um, love her story. Uh, I mean, it's fascinating, all the work, ministry work and um, things she's done in Africa.
1: Right. Right. She's done a tremendous work in Rwanda. And I, I loved her statement of plan today as if tomorrow won't come.
0: Boy, that's wisdom right there. We need to all do that. All do that every day.
1: No kidding. She uh, really has some great leadership lessons for us, so let's
0: jump in and hear Let's talk with her. And now just a word from our sponsor. And now back to our show.
1: Today we have uh, Dr. Pamela Pyle with us, and we're so excited. I've I've watched her from a distance and read uh, so many things that she's done, and I think this is going to be a great, exciting time just to let women hear um, her journey and how she's gotten to where she is today. So we'll we'll start right out with that, um, Pamela, and we'll have you just tell us a little bit about you and, and what you do and what drives you. I grew up in small town, Oklahoma, and got married my senior year of high school.
2: <laughs> um, wow. And, uh, unfortunately, as with many, uh, married way too young, um, I, that first marriage didn't last, but, um, have two beautiful daughters as a result of it. And, um, I had this point early on in life where I had someone that I, I was working for a dentist at the time, and he had said, you're too smart to be a dental assistant, you need to go to college. And that was very unusual for small town Oklahoma where I grew up. But I listened and I went to school, started going to school at night and felt a call to go into medicine and looked at various options of uh, what that would look like nearby. And uh, the only option was to go to uh, to a local uh, well actually Oklahoma State University and I thought while I'm there I can consider what I want to do in medicine and not knowing God at that point in my life but also feeling in retrospect he really shaped my life every bit of it along the way and I'm, I'm thankful for it I really had a heart to help people and it was very successful in school and I just I thought, well, I'll just be a doctor, and so um, I uh, went on to uh, North Texas State, and then from there to Baylor uh, to finish my residency, and uh, while at the very end of my residency was getting ready to do a cardiology fellowship, I, I met the love of my life, and Uh, husband that we just had our 30 year anniversary. We were at this jumping off point in life, where I didn't feel like going to more education. I was an internal medicine doctor at that point, and we moved to South Carolina. And so uh, I was recruited as one of uh, three physicians, the first hospital-based medical program in the country, uh, in South Carolina outside of the university setting and we loaded up the u-haul the dog the kids and <laughs> headed to south <laughs> carolina and uh, so for three plus years i was in 92 um i've been practicing in south carolina for the most part and in 2009 during a really difficult season of my life someone Invited me to go on a missions trip to Rwanda. And very clearly, um, again, I, at that point, I was a believer. Um, God said, this is your place and this is your purpose. And I thought it was to build a clinic. And uh, God said yes. But he, uh, while well, the first part of the fundraising and, and joining with the ministry to make that happen was easy. There was about eight years of waiting for. Um, the rest of the plan to be revealed and the waiting period is. Uh, part of the beautiful journey because. God's plans so much bigger than our plans, and uh, through that waiting period, a lot of different things happened, both professionally and in ministry and and that ministry in particular. And that clinic uh is now the second largest hospital in Vermont, and i'm chair of the board of the ministry so wow. um that's been my ministry journey parallel uh my uh, professional journey as doctor
1: i don't know if people caught this but you you went to college and then to medical school and then to residency and i know you had at least two children mm. During that whole process, I, I uh, you you flew right past that, <laughs> but that had to be that it had to be really difficult. Tell us a little bit about how you did that. It Was difficult in some ways.
2: Um, I, you know, my first marriage ended within a month of starting medical school. Uh, Not by my choice and um, I didn't really have any financial resources other than student loans and. There are people in our lives that impact their lives and change change them in my life. The first was the dentist. And the second, I was a financial aid counselor at, at the medical school because I had gone her and said, I'm going to have to drop out of school unless I'm able to get more loans um, or scholarships. And she had, she said, you are not dropping out of school for financial reasons. And I had done well the first year and received scholarships and, and was able to um, be a mom to the two girls and uh, graduated class. And it's it's kind of like we were a band of three, <laughs> you know. Our little tribe was three, and even though they were very young, we were accomplishing something together, and uh, it was it was a very sweet time. And, and I think for anybody that's a single mom, and we know that there are many out there, um, I encourage you to to live your dream. Um, find the people that can speak into it. Don't give up on it. Um, be persistent. Be exuberantly persistent.
1: I think that anyone who finishes medical school and residency who who is not a single mom with kids has to be really persistent. Um, you know, add that to that and, and, you know i certainly sit here in awe of that um uh you know during during this time i i noticed that you have five children so you must have gone on um during this time to have three more um and and so that you know i have five children and i can say i've worked full-time for a long time (laughs) And people ask me many times how I did that, so I'll I'll ask that question because you 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 did that, accomplished that, and do you have any tips for those moms out there that are working and you know doing other things that have a bunch of kids running around? How do you how do you take care of both things? Well, it's interesting. It's, it, it
2: said you know you can't... If you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. And <laughs> I think as women, we always um, have had to multitask. And and the more busy I would get, um, the more efficient I became at multitasking. <laughs> um, I also have a wonderful husband that, you know, there were many times times and and based on the the nature of being a hospital based physician, I was working 36 hour shifts and. um, He was taking care of the kids and. uh, our my daughter from first marriage and you know they. That he's dad to them and they um, were a big help as well with with the younger ones, so. it was coming together again with this shared vision of we're a family, we're a tribe. We all have a task to do and uh, we're all busy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: No so, lazy people in, in the, the pile household. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good lesson to learn uh, for your children. And you said it was 2009 that you went on your first mission trip where you're, did you still have kids at home? Because I know many women um, who want to do, especially overseas ministries um, or mission trip, even one struggle with, you know, just the time factor. And if you, you're a physician, you are very busy uh, working and Unfortunately, it doesn't end at five o'clock or six o'clock. Um, there are still those people needing you afterwards. So were were they, did they go on your initial trip with you or did you do that by yourself? Um, how did that work? I, um, I went by
2: myself um, at, with a friend. And, um, you know, again, the nature of my work is more shift work. So mm-hmm. I could, you know, t- take more shifts at the beginning of a month and, and have a, a week off. Um, and what I would encourage for women or men interested in, in missions is, you think that you're going to serve uh, others, but the the benefit is a hundredfold in return. And I call it almost being selfish. Yeah. Um, And that's one of the reasons I love going back to Rwanda over and over again. Uh, I have brought uh, the two boys. Um, The girls were all, you know, older and and had kids and lives of their own. Uh, One day I hope to bring them um, or my grandchildren. But uh, at various times I brought the boys and uh, it took about three years to get get my husband to go and then he just started going and uh, really found his own uh, purpose Um, and in in fact uh, with John Maxwell is bringing country transformation um, to Rwanda uh, through the foundation and they are partnering with the foundation that I'm uh, the chair of the board, which is Africa New Life. And so it is wonderful how God ultimately brought our two passions together, uh, leadership and ministry in the country on the other side of the planet.
1: Isn't that, that's always crazy how it works out in the end. Sometimes in the details day to day, you can't really see that. Um, but it's, it's, right. it's crazy in the end how it works out. Um, I, I noticed, and um, I have done a lot of work with hospice, and certainly DeAntha, my co-host, has done more than me. We also did some work in Belize for about nine years with uh, the hospice there. But I know that you, um, I was really interested, and I can honestly say I haven't picked up this book, but that you wrote a book called a good death is not an event, but a lifestyle. Can you talk about that a little bit, especially in an American culture and, and not to say this about physicians, but some physicians don't want to say that word or talk about death with their patients. Um, it seems to be a cultural issue for us, but I'm intrigued. Um, about you know your your statement that it's a lifestyle so it came from a patient uh
2: that as she
1: was
2: dying this was a few years back um i i she had been in and out of the hospital i i knew her well and um she had made the decision that she didn't want any aggressive measures and i was sitting on her bed and holding her hand and She was asking me to expect and what her family will see, and I I began to cry. I was just, you know, realizing in that moment how much she had meant to me, and uh, she grabbed my hand, and she said, it's okay. It'll be a good death, Mm -hmm. and I knew from her, our discussions about faith, her good death was a confidence in her destination, But through the years of having been so involved with death and seeing good and bad and hard and um, sorrowful grief, all the things associated, I just kept thinking, you know, is it possible to have a good death leading up to that final breath? And then knowing that. Knowing your destination is actually your best death, and I just began writing. I wasn't a writer; I'd always been a journaler. Um, but I began writing about what are the ingredients of art of a good death, and the more it was almost like I was writing to myself because my, you know, avatar of a reader is um, my age, I'm about that's turned sixty, fairly healthy mother uh, parents are older thinking about you know what what is the best plan for them and then also realizing my children you know my youngest is 23 and just moved to japan and um Uh they don't think about death but i because of my work i you know death can occur at any time
0: Uh and so
2: it really became just a journey of of finding where what were the ingredients through patient experiences that I could reflect on and go, well, that was good, or that was good. But it, it also became like how to plan today as if tomorrow won't come, and then how to live today as if tomorrow won't come. If you were to really imagine that tomorrow would come. What would today look like? And so it it started to become a lifestyle for me of. Living. Uh, in the present living. Um, fully on purpose, you know, in everything I do. Not taking things too seriously, laughing more. Um, knowing it precisely. You know, if I have an illness or if I have an accident, my family knows exactly what I want done, how I want it done um, for my end-of-life care. And I feel like Scott and I are very clear on the legacy that we want to leave. And everyone leaves a legacy, and it's either good or bad. So we are being Intentionally focused on, on leaving a good legacy. And so it's a lifestyle journey. And that way, if you're doing it every day, if tomorrow is the last day, you will have hugged mm-hmm. everyone goodbye the day before. You always love you. You try to be kind, but it does change how you live your life.
1: Great words of wisdom. Those are great words of wisdom. For sure. Um, thank you if If you look at you know all the things that you have done, what what's really been your biggest challenge overall if you if you say I, I try to <laughs> I try to do that a little bit myself. i I was diagnosed with breast cancer about a year ago, and i i've I've had this recurring thing saying, if I only have five years to live, if that's my end, not just tomorrow, but you know, what what do I want to do in in that period of time? Um, but but if I look at the challenges in my life, it, you know, that's where people can really learn is how you walk through that challenge. Uh, can you can you pick one? Well, my biggest challenge is probably myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, amen! I I can I can agree with that with myself. (laughs) You know,
2: I I um
1: I love everything.
2: (laughs) So you know, I'm writing a book, I'm doing a podcast, I'm going to Africa, I'm leading a ministry, I work, um, I have eight beautiful grandchildren and five children, and and I find myself um, having moments where I like. I can't even take a breath because I haven't eaten all day, oh, being so focused on the things. They're all good things. So my challenge is overdoing. Um, and I've had physical challenges the last three years, but I I don't even know that I, I would call them blessings in, in a way because it forced me as I, you know, multiple surgeries and Uh, crutches and a cane for a long time and it forced me to slow down. It allowed me to write more. Um, Anytime we go through a challenge such as a physical debility or going through cancer, there's always a lesson there and it's always a sweet lesson. It's just can, can we see it through the pain? Um, and the answer is yes. It sometimes takes a little bit of time, but there's always a sweetness there for us.
1: You know, um, to change subject here, I I know you said you're an avid reader. Um, I can relate to that on so many levels, uh, from podcasts to audiobooks to... <laughs> real books what what are uh, i always love to ask this question because it's selfish on my part uh because then i get some new books um and um what what books are you reading now um or what are your favorites either one or both
2: so i am a schizophrenic book reader
1: <laughs> girl i can relate i i usually have um
2: two or three going at the same time depending on my mood so yeah. at my bedside is uh, man's search for meeting uh, by dr victor Frankl. you know top 10 book from in library of congress incredible story of an Auschwitz uh, uh camp survivor and then uh, i just finished reading a book by uh, Dr. Jennifer Butte, B-U-T-E, and it's called Dementia from the Inside, and she is a physician in the UK um, living in a dementia center, uh, has had dementia for several years, but yet has uh, been able to still teach the world about what it's like to have dementia, and As a physician, you see one side of caring for people with dementia, but she opened my eyes to all the possibilities of reaching someone who may even be nonverbal with Mm -hmm. their dementia, Um, and so that book I've actually read um, twice.
1: Wow. Wow.
2: I would say if you have anyone with dementia in your life, dementia from the inside is, is so valuable. And then I always uh, have an audiobook going uh, when I'm walking Harper. And uh, this, I, I'm currently listening to Fearfully and Wonderfully Made um, by Philip Yancey and Dr. Brand. And um, so those are my three books are currently processing in my brain.
1: Love it. You know, as we try to come to an end, is there anything that, um, and our podcast is particularly focused toward women, is is there any direct thoughts or direct statements you wanna make to those, even though you've given us, I've taken crazy notes here on the side, Of just what you had to say. (laughs) Um, And I do mean crazy all over my piece of paper. Uh, Is there anything that any more pearls of wisdom you would like to give them? um, So
2: I would say, you know, for women leaders, um, I use the word tribe a lot, um, and I have different tribes, and I also am a member of the, the Cherokee Indian tribe. But for women leaders, community and finding your tribe is crucial because I feel like that's something that I haven't yet been able to find closely in terms of my community, but I've been able to find through uh, national relationships. And so I have a group of women. We climb Mount Kilimanjaro together. You know, that's how I have another group of women that um, are world changers, and you know we we need to encourage each other. And so, while they're not physically close, it's so important to find that type of group to to share. There's nothing like being a woman leader, as you know, that um, someone that's not doing it. We'll be able to speak into. There's so many unique challenges, but also unique benefits. Um, There's things to learn from each other. And so I would say, if you don't have a tribe, you need to find a tribe of women leaders.
1: That's great advice. That's really
2: And I love that you're doing this because that's exactly what you're doing, is bringing women leaders together. And that's so powerful um, and needed
1: it's it's a selfish love on my part i love to um hear about other people's journey and i i so agree Um, my life has been blessed uh, in particular at work um where i found some great friends and great female leaders that that were part of that but i love the way you put it to find your own tribe um you know we are we are located in denton so when you talk about north texas or i i know you went to a medical school in houston right um so you know we're we're not too far from where you grew up and certainly we're right here mm-hmm. where we went to school so you know i i thank you so much for taking the moments to be with us i I really love uh, your statement about plan today as if tomorrow won't come. that what what difference would we all make in the world if we live like that every moment? So I thank you, Dr. Pamela Powell, for first being a physician and being a Christian um, woman of faith who is living that and making an impact in the world. Thank you. I just have one question or
2: for one request, um, everything that I've written in the book yeah, is getting uploaded to my website. And it's okay. drpamela.com. And we're adding new content, you know, daily. But it's free resources for a good death. And that's everything from, you know, how to plan um, to what questions to ask your doctor, how to find a good doctor, to uh, finding hope um, at the end of life. And so, please uh, encourage your listeners to check it out. Like I said, there's it's all free. Um, continue to go back. There's resources that uh, will be very helpful.
1: And, you know, I will share that. So, it's com. That's easy. Um, And I have lots of friends in the hospital world and a lot, you know, uh, fortunately or unfortunately at my age, I have lots of people who either have family members or fathers or or close friends who are walking that. I mean, we're all walking the journey toward death. That Mm -hmm. is our ultimate end. Um, and so I appreciate you doing that. and if they if they wanted to get in touch with you, can they send you a message through that website?
2: They can. and i I will respond to them personally.
1: Okay. well, I thank you. I thank you so much for the work you're doing and and just uh, for you. the pearls of wisdom, and especially what you're giving um, on this website that thank you and we'll see you soon